Good afternoon from a BEA beautiful Friday afternoon in Freight Alley. It would have been a great day to drive a Cybertruck across the Tennessee River. It would have been perfect, right? Perfect for that nice crisp morning. Did y'all see the announcement? Elon put this out there. He says that the cyber Elon Musk put this out there. He says the Cybertruck will be waterproof enough to to serve briefly as a boat. We got this. Don't don't we have this? uh, Maybe we don't have the tweet. Lakes and even. What's that? Oh, here it is. There it is. There it is. There's what Elon's saying. He says Cybertruck will be waterproof enough to serve briefly as a boat so it can cross <laughs> rivers, lakes, and even seas. They're uh, that Define are so briefly. Define briefly. Yeah, because well, I think my Tacoma does the same thing for like half a second. Well, it's a whole new <laughs> animal. That animal is the Nikola Badger. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I was going to have a water fountain. Do you Whoa. think that'll work? Would, are you going to go in first? Do you, like, is this like the iPhone thing where they say, you know, this your iPhone is ISP rated, so you can drop it down to like 100 meters under the water if you go scuba diving, but it's not really under warranty? Or do you think Elon's saying, you know, sail across? People online were well, saying that some of the reasons he was saying this was because uh, he was stuck in traffic getting over to SpaceX. And I guess there's like, uh, to get to SpaceX, you have to go on this big roundabout route. Okay. And like way out your way. It takes like an hour and 40 minutes. But oh. if you could go across the wetlands in your cyber truck, it would take like 10 minutes. So I think like he wants to have all his uh, uh, engineers give them cyber trucks and they can drive right across the wetlands. But so how does that work? I mean, you, do you have to have like really extra knobby tires to get some traction in the water? Or? That's what I'm saying. How do you propel the truck forward yeah. once you're in the water? Yeah. How does it? Yeah. How's it going forward? Well, she weighs the same as a cyber truck. Uh, she's a witch. No, here's what. Here's some comments. <laughs> here's some comments online. Jack altogether. He says, uh, "Dog, you can't even." Oh, here's one. This is actually from Captain Phillips. This one yeah, says, uh, <laughs> Can you, "We got new communication devices today too." L- look at me. <laughs> wow, these guys are talking in our ears too. Guys in the production team, we got this brand fry? new communication you- system. As you can see, it's uh, causing a little bit of chaos in our ears over here. Uh, this first meme is from Captain Phillips. It says, look at me. I'm the captain now. We, uh, what is this guy over here? Jack, he says, dog, you can't even make a car trunk rainproof. All right, communication devices are supposed to make communication better. So we'll see as this goes along. Uh, okay, dog, you can't even make a car truck rainproof. I'm not drowning my family in a coffin from an N64 game. Love Spend it. millions of marketing for your new truck. Make it a meme so it spreads by itself globally. Smart move. And then uh, Savapier says Cybertruck is like carbon nanotubes. The only thing it can't do is enter production. Oh, wow. Pretty harsh, pretty harsh. Ooh, that's a slap across the face, Elon. Yeah. I don't know, man. Speaking about new, cool, and innovative things, check out this cake. It was my son's eighth birthday yesterday. We got uh, Randy Savage. I am severely impressed with this. This is a badass cake. Are you calling it the Savage Cake? The Savage Cake. And here's the thing. If you go to Dairy Queen, they'll print, like, anything on there. I'm not sure if, like, lewd photographs or something they'd put, but, like, anything, like, within reason. Yeah, enough money. They'll yeah, put on I don't. There. So is are all three of those your pets or just the two, the shark and the dog? The, unfortunately, the cat was one, too. Oh, okay. No, no more. Um, we got a lot of great guests on the show today. One of them is this gentleman. Take a look at this clip. So have you guys seen the news? An electric truck manufacturing company, this one, has had to recall every single truck they've made because of the seat belts on them. 
This is one issue that I know Edison Motors is not gonna have for a while. I mean, that's mainly because our trucks are so old that they don't even have seatbelts. See, that's big brain thinking right there. You don't have to worry about having a recall on your seatbelts if your trucks don't have any seatbelts. Beautiful, it's Chase. <laughs> They're still talking in our ears, guys. Stop <laughs> talking in our ears, you're distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody go down to McDonald's and tell them to turn off the uh, their 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 communication? I don't know. I don't know, man. We got must have RF interference in the back. Anyways, <laughs> did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by four hundred percent over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane's Chicago Business Fast Fifty list. But how do they do it? I don't know that. By earning their customers respect with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions, find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. Let's talk a little final mile route tech and oh, that yeah. kind of thing with our first guest is George Shagolov. He is the co-founder at Route for Me, and uh, he's looking good. Where are you hanging out right now, George? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm in um, Montclair, New Jersey. That's where I'm based out of. Ah, beautiful. Love the New Jersey area. You a Jets or Giants fan? Uh, Giants. Ah, well, oh, okay. Looking a little more promising. Where's Montclair? Is it North Jersey? Is it like Bergen County or are you like in the Pinelands or what? It's Essex County. It's about 12 miles west outside of New York. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Sweet. Well, hey, route for me, I think you guys deal with like traffic and stuff like that. You see no shortage of that over the uh, New Jersey Turnpike area. Tell us a little bit about the company. What do you guys do over there? <laughs> The traffic's getting better, guys. The traffic's getting better. <laughs> but um, we, we do route optimization, route planning, and dispatching. So we help organizations um, take package data, put it into our system, figure out the most efficient way to split it between trucks, and then the most efficient way to deliver them um, in the field. And on top of it, capture PODs and just make the experiences as, as pleasant as possible. Um, the biggest part about it is, you know, the, the companies that switch to us, they go anywhere from, you know, 16 to 20 packages per hour to 24, 30 packages per hour delivered. Wow. 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 Oh, wow. So is it it's a software? So is it uh, LTL type final mile or just straight up packages or what's the application uh, scope? Yeah. So LTL is not really necessarily the best fit. This is specifically for last mile logistics. So anyone who's done doing parcel delivery, we work with anyone who's truly doing delivery um, of, let's say, five packages or five stops on a route or more, anyone mm -hmm. in the service space. Um, oh, since COVID, parcel space has exploded significantly, obviously, because everyone stopped going to the stores and everyone started shopping more online, including myself. I don't even want to go to the store anymore. I just want everything delivered to me. And, and I think that that's a sentiment throughout the industry in, in general. So a lot of original companies have exploded since then, and we're helping these organizations to be more efficient um, in the field, delivering those packages directly to the customer, um, you know, creating a better experience for everyone. Well, interesting. So what, what are the trend looking like right now? Because you said a very sort of COVID-specific thing. Everybody was ordering online, but it seems like there's been some slowdown if you're listening to the FedExes of the world in the last mile. And even Apple just put out that they're cutting back production on the I, Apple iPhone 14, which would be delivered final mile for sure. Uh, are you seeing any slowdown in packages? What do you think the outlook's going to be for this holiday season? So one, Apple does, Apple did say that they're slowing down iPhone 14 because I think the demand in other space is a little bit bigger, um, such as iPhone 14 Pro and Max. But, but yes, in general, I think that this peak is going to be a very good peak. I think we're going to get a lot of packages going through the system. We're already seeing, I've talked to a lot of um, shippers as well as the, 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 the shipping companies. And we're already 
we're anticipating a good influx of packages into the into the ecosystem. So I think this is going to be a busy peak. As far as the FedEx goes and uh, UPS and DHL, the big guys, I think that they they operate. They've been pushing a lot of business off and rejecting a lot of packages over the years, uh, especially since COVID, because just the capacity they couldn't fulfill it, um, and that's what empowered the other companies to grow. And now shippers are working with these regional companies because they offer better value. They offer, um, you know, better experience and a faster delivery in some cases. What about further into the future? What a uh, final mile and all the disruptive technology that is coming out. You've got all these optimization things you included, which sounds excellent and it's, it's much needed. It's a very difficult space. But as we move into automated and even drone delivery, that type of stuff, is that going to come in here? What is your, what is your prediction on, on drone delivery and how that's going to disrupt the space? So I, I would love to see it work. I think that there's a lot of, mm. uh, um, a lot of marketing content that's out there that's promoting things. And I think that there is, look, in, you know, it's, 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 you know, you guys were talking about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is great at marketing. He likes to promote certain things that are not there necessarily today or in the near future, but they're going to mm-hmm. be that, you know, possible soon. So he's been promoting self-driving tech. I love my Tesla. I think it's the best car I've ever owned. So do I think that drone delivery is possible? Yes. But having said that, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make it possible. From the foundation of building routes, from the foundation of how many packages are going to be delivered. And on top of it, I don't think the initial cost is going to be um, affordable. I think it's Mm. going to be pretty high because it's tech. So someone's going to have to either pay the premium for those, you know, faster deliveries. Um, And on top of it, I live right outside of New York. So when you're in New York, I cannot imagine... 5,000 drones or 5 million drones flying around <laughs> delivering packages. It's, it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be a luxury at first, but having said that every luxury eventually becomes a commodity more or less. It's yeah. interesting. You know, we were watching a video and it showed how uh, Walmart was sending these out via zip line. And like, it looked really hands-on at the moment. And I don't know if you've been to a Walmart, but like I go there and take my kids to the electronics department. You try to get like a video game or a controller. You could be searching for like 15, 20 minutes yeah. to find someone. So I don't, I don't know necessarily how the drone thing is going to work, but, but we'll see uh, about that one. I got a question for you around New Jersey. I'm, I'm from Boston. We got trucks hitting bridges all the time. Big problem with drivers. Why are yeah. trucks hitting bridges all the time? And is there good routing to stay around bridges? Do you guys offer any of that? <coughs> Absolutely. So there's this concept called commercial routing. Commercial routing is we have the data in our system that allows you to know which road your vehicle can go on and can go on. So obviously, um, a lot of truck drivers don't follow GPS, just like my father. He, I know every road. I don't need to follow the GPS, but somehow he's always arriving 10 minutes late. So a lot of times it's good to use the tech and uh, the tech will tell you exactly um, which road to take. I mean, obviously, you still need to use caution because a lot of times roads change and infrastructure changes and things, you know, get updated. So you still need to pay attention to the signs. But I think that with our tech and our navigation system, um, you know, if you set the vehicle up and you put it into a system, we, we're going to give you a route that's uh, far more compliant than, um, yeah, some of the drivers take. Yeah, and fast. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're talking about the efficiency of 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 drones, right? How inefficient five million going around that type of stuff. How much inefficiency is in? How much inefficiency is in Final Mile right now? You talked about increasing those packages. People out there, like you said, they think, well, I know exactly how to run these routes, but things change constantly. Yeah. How much can you save them right now? What what is built in right now that is inefficient? 
So, so that's a great question. So look, inefficiencies are off the charts, just off the charts. Um, some organizations still run on zip codes. Zip codes are not, it's artificial. It's man-made, it's man-made, it's created. Meaning that, you know, you're gonna say like, you, you know, these drivers are gonna cover this zip code or that zip code, that doesn't work anymore. And on top of it, the demand changes from day to day. So just because you had, I don't know, let's say 20,000 packages in Montclair today, does not mean that you're gonna get 20,000 packages tomorrow. You may actually get 25 or you may get 15. So the whole dynamic aspect plays in really well and it truly helps organizations to, to jump into newer technology that can help them with you know significant demand changes depending on day of the week and on top of it you know being able to 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 use less vehicles in the field as well because a lot of times you can take the exact same fleet size and you can actually deliver significantly higher amount of packages. So if anyone is using raw for me, for example, if they're switching from paper routes, meaning somebody who's literally just got a piece of paper, a spread <laughs> Excel spreadsheet, and they, you know they're trying to map things out, and you're gonna go this sequence, and or let the driver figure this out, we can generally save about thirty percent to forty percent inefficiency gains. Um, and if somebody's switching from alternative solutions, there's there's two things in play. One is operational changes. Um, if the organization is willing to go through these operational changes. And the other one is um, if uh, the organization wants to keep things as is. For the most part, we have the better tag because we build it from scratch. We have uh, you know, mapping engine, routing engine, algorithm engine that makes the technology far more superior than every, everything else in the market. And we can prove that any day. Wow. Hey, George, really cool. Before we let you go, what do you think the hardest problem you'll have to solve in Final Mile is? I think... In last mile specifically, I think that the, the, the big problem is letting more organizations realize the benefits of route optimization mm. and how wasteful their um, current operation is. Because a lot of people, you know, oh, I have more packages. I need to, I need, what do I do? Let's buy more trucks, get more drivers. But the problem is you're not, you're not, you, you're just not using things efficiently. Mm -hmm. So now if you utilize the same operations as you have today, you may actually, fulfill significant amount of work that's happening or increasing with the same footprint they have today. Yeah. Got to cut out those empty calories of freight. Thank you so much. People yeah. who want to learn more about the company, where do I send them to? You got a website? Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anybody who wants to check out Route for Me, go to www.routeforme.com. It's R-O-U-T-E, digit 4-M-E.com. And there's a phone number on top. You can call it 24-7-365. We've got a live agent available within 30 seconds that's going to talk to you, transfer you to the right party. Um, everyone is domestic, so you know, you're not going to waste your time going through the, the prompts, whatever. Cool. We're, we're happy to talk to you 24-7-365. Thanks, George. Take it easy. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, George. You know, everything you said there is right, too. Before I came to Freight Waves, I yeah. was with... Freight Plus, right? Yeah. And one of the things we did over there was route optimization. Yeah. We would do RFPs and we would, uh, we actually, you know, we had our TMS, we had the route optimizer. And one thing that always am amazed me, well, it amazed me at first, and it just became obvious and you'd look for it afterwards, was how the routing, so much routing that you see is specific to the strength of 
three, what you'll find is the way the writing's done is the strength of the 3PL company that is your partner mm -hmm. versus white actually may make sense for that route. Yeah. And a lot of times we'd be like, okay, we can just get you new partners here and this makes more sense to consolidate your freight over here. But they then looked at it like that. And the weird thing is that like so many times in these same buildings, you have people doing the salesman equation for their salespeople and them getting to point A to point C to point B quicker than anything else. But then when it comes to freight, it's sort of like, nah, this is, you know, my knee feels like sending it that way. <laughs> my knee feels like yeah no absolutely dude trying to do uh on paper route optimization or planning a route on a daily basis yeah in pittsburgh pennsylvania one of the most difficult things on the planet you got 18 million bridges you got tunnels you got all this stuff and then traffic flow there's no shame in it it's never the same there's no shame anyways meanwhile oh oh that's not your shipment that's my iPhone. See, the Final Mile is a crazy space. You see what just happened there? A guy's driving his box truck around. All right, you gotta loop that. Don't loop that. Don't loop. We're good. Don't loop that. That was not optimized at all. That was not optimized. There's no way he optimized that. Although that guy almost landed <laughs> in the cop car when he tripped. <laughs> yeah. I don't think like putting a, uh, a trip to the police station in your route would be part of the optimization no, there. No. Let's talk to uh, Mitch Violet. He's the direct senior director of product management over at Convoy, and um, you know we're gonna talk a little bit about visibility. You know, like your shipment right there. Maybe your driver got arrested. You want some visibility on where yeah. your, your freight is. <laughs> yeah, You're expecting why? that big product release. <laughs> Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Hey, you know what? Like visibility, that's one of those sort of, it's almost becoming an amorphous term though, right? People are like visibility, visit. And it's like, we all kind of accept it. We're like, yeah, okay. But in your mind, especially from like the engineer's perspective, what do you consider visibility in supply chain? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Visibility is always a fun topic, uh, varying opinions on what visibility is. But let me let me start by saying there's a problem with visibility as it stands today. Mm. Uh, it's, it's widely known, but in my opinion, not talked about enough. And that is that there's an information imbalance across all the players. So between your shippers, your carriers, your facilities, your brokers, typically they all have you know varying levels of information of what's happening uh, at any given time on any given shipment. Carriers, to, you know, they're on the ground. They know what's happening in real time, but may not have all the information they need to be successful. Uh, your brokers, facilities, shippers typically have either nothing at all or, or varying levels of, you know, location on a map or, or ETAs. Uh, and now ETAs, very, very important. We spend a lot of time optimizing our ETAs, trying to get as accurate as possible. However, they don't always provide the depth of information that's necessary to resolve issues at, you know, varying stages of that shipment lifecycle. So, for example, you know, an ETA does not matter when you're scheduling an appointment, right? It's very important. You need to know when you're getting it to your customer. You want to know what's happening. However, there's no truck movement at that point. The ETA isn't helpful. Um, or maybe let's say we have an ETA, but we're 10 minutes away. You know, everything's looking good. You're starting to get your dock ready. But what you don't know is that the forklift just broke down. You are now at least two to three hours minimum to get that, that truck unloaded from that previous stop. And, and in the meantime, you're getting frustrated, the carrier's getting frustrated, and, um, you know, it's, it's never a good thing. So while there's a lot of good visibility tools out there, there, there's a depth of information that's missing that we believe is necessary to really resolve issues quickly. Well, I mean, you've worked with some really big boys over here, Boeing and Amazon. So from an engineering and visibility perspective, you've had to solve some, some big problems. What did you learn in those halls before you even got over to Convoy? Uh, yeah, so there's there's a ton of things over there. At Amazon, I worked uh, for quite a few years in the last mile space. So similar to your to your last guest, a lot of it was how do you help 
the driver. In, in that case, the carrier, the person doing the deliveries. How do you give them the visibility into what's necessary? So we spent a lot of time on our mapping technology, our routing technology. Uh, but you know, my team personally in that space spent a lot of time on what we called actually the last 100 yards. So once you get to a parking spot, how do you help them find the door? So, so it was all about information at the fingertips of the person that's executing that delivery, that shipment, et cetera. Um, and how do, you, how do you just help them be efficient, right? If, if you partner with them, if you give them the tools that's necessary, um, it's, it's really what they're looking for. It makes their lives easier. It makes the customers more excited, happier. Um, so that's kind of how we focused on things. Yeah. So um, what is it that you are doing exactly there? So you're, you're, you're director of product management at Convoy. Define that. Tell us exactly what you're doing there at Convoy. Yeah, so I lead one of our product organizations here uh, focused on the shipment execution lifecycle. So from a freight perspective, think of everything from scheduling, location tracking, exception management, uh, you know, automation across the lifecycle within each of those verticals, you know, just, mm. just to name a few. Um, so we, we focus on how do we, how do we make everyone efficient? How do we help everyone get on the same page, whether that's the driver and the app workflows that we build and, and the technology we provide them, our operators to ensure that they're solving problems and helping both the carrier and the shipper. And then from a shipper perspective, how do we build technology that provides them, you know, radical transparency into to what's happening? So they, they feel a level of trust and, and understanding of what's happening at any given time. Mm, really cool. So let me ask you one question. First, let's go a little deeper with uh, with the engineering yeah, mind yeah. here. How, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do, how do you and how does Convoy think about data, especially freight data? Yeah, uh, well, well, data is key to everything. So if I take a quick step back from Convoy's perspective, you know, we were born of the belief that data and technology are going to fundamentally uh, you know, improve the supply chain, help identify inefficiencies and solve a lot of those problems. So from day one, uh, one of our, our focuses and requirements was that drivers use our Convoy application. Um, and, you know, we provide a number of incentives such as automated hassle-free detention, quick pay, you know, just for using the app properly. Um, and so what was, you know, originally deemed a little bit uh, crazy, somewhat impossible to, to have, you know, all these drivers leverage this technology has resulted in actually we have 97% app use across our shipments. So virtually every shipment delivered by Convoy it's, it's highly tracked via, you know, one minute GPS pings from our application. Uh, we're able to leverage that high app use to build tools and partner with the drivers and the carriers uh, so that we understand what's happening on the ground. They can provide information that's necessary to really resolve those issues um, so that we can provide that radical transparency to shippers. So the, the biggest thing and how we think about that is how do we get everyone on the same page? The carrier, our internal operations, the shipper, the facility, because Typically, a lot of the churn, the inefficiency happens in the back and forth, trying to get everyone on the same page. So we can resolve that issue and have everyone, you know, act as a team, focus on what matters and resolve those issues. That's that's really how we we think about things. Yeah, because visibility is visibility. But if you can utilize that in order to let the customer know the one thing that is important, when is it going to arrive and am I going to get the whole thing in intact, right? I mean, that's what they're looking for in, when it comes down Absolutely. to it. How are those customers uh, responding to these new tools that you guys are putting out there? Yeah, so uh, we've had a great response so far. Honestly, a little bit better than uh, we were even expecting. So uh, they're often stunned by the depth of information that we can and willing uh, are willing to provide. You know, that's always a key is, is the willingness mm -hmm. to provide that information. Um, but yeah, we, we've taken that radical transparency, you know, kind of 
step. We want the carrier, the shipper, and our internal operations to be on the same page at the exact same time. So to put this in, in real terms, um, one of our, our CPG shippers that we work with, um, we had a lot of emails back and forth. They wanted to know what was happening, status. Hey, is this, is this thing scheduled? We want to make sure we're servicing our customer uh, properly. Right, rightfully so. We, that, that's, you know, service is, is key. Um, but there's just a lot of, a lot of emails. So we, we pulled them into the beta group for high fidelity, um, visibility product that we just launched, um, leveraging our high fidelity shipment status. So they got one minute, you know, one minute EPG, GPS pings where the location was, but again, more importantly, uh, leveraging the, the application and our tools to understand what was happening at every single stage of the shipment life cycle. Um, and in just two weeks, we reduced the overall email volume you know, in total across the execution life cycle and by 14%, which was you know, phenomenal for that, that time. But more importantly, we reduced the pre-pickup emails by 34%. And, and why that's important is, is you guys are very fam- familiar with, and I'm sure many of your listeners are, issues snowball and freight. And if you don't solve them fast, they become a big problem. Yeah. And so we work really hard to try to proactively solve those issues as early as possible. So seeing a 34% reduction in that, those back and forth emails was uh, kind of a sign of that. So we're, we're really excited. Yeah, well, it's my 77,000 unread emails uh, that my iPhone is showing me with uh, that red icon. Uh, thank your email service here. Now, before I let you go, I just have a question for you. And it's, do you have any advice for people managing engineers? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, one, I would say understand how they think, work with them closely, what they want to work on. And then on the flip side, get the engineers close to the customer. Engineers are extremely smart. They want to solve problems. They know how to solve problems, uh, you know, often better than, than most people. Getting them next to the customer, they can build that empathy. They see what's happening. And honestly, they, they can make some magic happen. So um, that's how we think about things. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Let your customer do it. Don't don't like rely on like a, you know, salesperson who may not know all the back end stuff. You know, have to have to in yeah, no, the phone. Yeah, you got to got the the guy who can create the solutions has to understand what the pain pain is firsthand. Absolutely. Yeah, engineers are people too. Bring them in the rooms, right, Mitch? They're not people. That's <laughs> not true. He didn't say most they were of the people. time. Most of the time. <laughs> well, hey Mitch, thank you very much, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a great weekend. I yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Go right check on. out Thanks, Convoy, Mitch. everybody. Before we get to our next guest, here's a little video to introduce him to see what he's going to be talking about. The most impressive thing our electric truck has done so far is actually work. (laughs) We didn't need to release the brakes and roll it down a hill to make a fake video of our truck moving. It actually moved. I mean, hell, we even let a bunch of random people hop in it in front of a large crowd and drive the truck to prove that it actually worked and anybody could hop in and drive it. So a bunch of truck drivers and loggers up in Canada made an electric truck that actually worked and a billion-dollar company faked it. So I'd say that's probably our most impressive thing. <laughs> I don't disagree with him. I, I don't disagree. It. It's Chase Barber. He's the founder and CEO over at Edison Motors. He's a very funny and smart guy. Some may even call him an engineer. Wow. What's up, Chase? I, I wouldn't say engineer. <laughs> you wouldn't say engineer? Well, you work with some great engineers. You guys are building Carl, right? You're working with some engineers on that. A few engineers, but honestly... My advice for people working with engineers is figure out whether you need an engineer first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love your How do you determine Steve. that? Well, there's a lot of issues with the truck that like you're building the truck. A lot of good mechanics know how a truck works better than engineers would. Like they work on it. Mechanics work on it. Mechanics fix it. 
a mechanic can probably design something better than an engineer can for serviceability. When it came to designing things in the cab where you wanted things, we didn't need an engineer to design things in the cab because the truck drivers who operate these trucks told us where they wanted things instead of an engineer. So we I, cut out a lot of engineers in there for, you know, technical stuff, high voltage stuff, but for the actual truck mechanics, whole things, mechanics do it. Gotcha. It makes a hundred percent sense. I mean, the, 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 the very, very, uh, just very practical nature of it makes sense. But I would argue that a mechanic is a bit of an engineer anyway, but yeah, I, that's, uh, that's very cool. I would think, well, you know, you your tagline is stealing ideas from Tesla, and Elon threw down the gauntlet yesterday by saying that the Cybertruck would float. Has this um, changed your design ideas about Carl at all? Uh, I don't think our logging truck will float. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will either. By the way, I wanted to congratulate you. I, I want to give you a little cowbell here because I saw that you just completed your second round of funding. I believe it was like, what, a million five? million? Is that U.S. or Canadian? Uh, Canadian. We raised just over one and a half million dollars Canadian in about six days. So we're we're super stoked on that. It's going to let us enter, build the first production truck. So we're taking it from just a concept truck, the one behind me. There was really a proof of concept of the diesel electric, and it's letting us build the first production truck that would be the truck that's for sale. Wow. So let me ask you this. Are they all called Carl or is that one Carl and the next one's name is Theodore, et cetera, et cetera? Where did Carl come from? This one is just called Carl because when we did our original crowdfunding, one of the investors, he invested for his dad, who was a truck driver. Mm. And unfortunately, his dad passed away. And I found out about this while I was talking with him. So in order, in honor of the guy's dad, we named the production or this first proof of concept truck after him. So his dad's name was Carl. So we called the truck Carl. Well, that's a way better story than Nicholas. Nicholas Trey is called the Trey because Trey is short for Trevor Milton, who's on trial right now for fraud. Yeah, that's not nearly as cool. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a much better story than that. That's a much better story. It's a much better. So you, you mentioned this, Carl here. This is like the prototype you've been building on it. Last time we caught up with you, you were getting to some of that testing and driving stage. Is that where are we at right now with Carl? Uh, yeah, it's running, driving, testing. So we've been putting it on the dyno, load testing. We've been doing all our bobtail testing. So... We haven't put the load on yet, but that's coming here in the next few, first few weeks. We wanted to get all the data first without the load, how the generator performs, how it charges the batteries. We did learn a few things. We need a little bit more coolant system in the batteries than we thought. We need a little bit more coolant, so that's one of those things that we'll fix. It gets just a little bit hot when you're jamming that much power into it in such a short time. We'll fix that up, and uh, then we'll get hauling some actual weight and some logs here soon. Yeah, well, speaking of learning from that prototype, one of the things that uh, we saw was you were answering a question online about the braking, and you learned something about the compressor. Can you tell us about that in terms of uh, the braking system and the, the first one bolting out? Yeah, the first <laughs> one uh, was a 24-volt compressor, and it was like $1,100. It was supposed to be this fancy do-everything compressor, and it just it didn't work. It grenaded itself after like three hours of running with the truck. Like, I don't know whether it was just an issue with that compressor itself or what. So we have 110 volt output on the truck so we can run, you know, just your standard household things, plugins. So literally 
before our truck show, we went to Canadian Tire. We grabbed an off-the-shelf air compressor and bolted it into the box where the 24-volt compressors were. So that's one of those on-the-fly fixes that you got to do. Well, and that's sort of like that anti sort of, and now I understand your sort of anti-engineering stance almost. It's like, no, this is more like DUI. This is so you're a driver, you're a logger, you're stuck in the middle of the woods or by a Canadian tire and you can fix this truck in the parking lot. That's the whole purpose is that we don't want a lot of engineers because if an engineer builds something, then an engineer has got to fix it. If a mechanic and a truck driver builds it, then a mechanic and a truck driver can fix it. Yeah. But okay. So when they, if, if they were to issue a recall for possible grenading of an air compressor, what does grenading actually mean? Uh, I think it just got too hot, overheated, and <laughs> basically just stopped working. Oh, okay. Imagine you know, a grenade, basically picture a grenade and what that does. And then the air compressor did that. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> Bang. Uh, I think uh, I think we have a video of Carl in motion. Can you guys roll that one? Let's see what uh, let's see him in action. Watch your retrofitted electric truck <laughs> move. I do. You hear that moment too? I love it. Absolutely love it. Chase, that makes me think, you know, th that is so silent, right? Do you have to, in terms of uh, letting like other vehicles know yeah, there's safety. a truck coming or pedestrians, do you have to add noise to the vehicle? Uh, we did. We put in a pedestrian warning system on, uh, on Carl here. So what we did is we got a set of train horns off a locomotive and we put those <laughs> under the front. <laughs> train They'll move. They'll move real quick. <laughs> I love it. Well, I liked your video too because it said earlier there was this big re we played a clip of yours where you're like, "Hey, look, there's no chance of a seatbelt recall with Carl because Carl doesn't even have seatbelts." <laughs> yeah, this uh, the old truck here is well so old that she's pre seatbelts. I love it. So uh, let me ask you this: which you, so you're building this specifically for uh, for a specific application, right? This this logging and so on and so forth. How much load? How much of the load is this going to be able to pull a, in your estimation once you get this together? Uh, she's rated for about 150, 160 thousand pounds. Wow, that's what those EAC. That's amazing. That, so, that is amazing. I got to ask. So I've seen it move. I've seen a, a few videos of it move yet, but I haven't seen it move underweight. Is there a particular reason for that? It's just not at that point in testing. Uh, like I said, we were putting it on the dyno. So that was the, uh, that was a big one testing. We wanted all the dyno information. Unfortunately, the dyno broke down halfway kind of through our testing. So we didn't get the full thing. So it's scheduled to go back in in about a week and a half. We'll do, we'll fix the coolant before then, put it back into dynoing, then, then we can start pulling weight. But I mean, if we have the torque numbers for the dyno, we know what the engine torque is, we know it'll move the weight, really actually pulling the weight is just a show of thing on video. Is we're more interested, and this is where the engineers at do come in, is taking that data, analyzing it, and figuring out all the math. Mechanics and truck drivers are great to build it, then the engineers are great at taking the data and figuring out what that data means. So as long as we have the data, that's kind of the important thing right now. The pulling the logs, we know we'll do it. That's just, it's going to look cool on video, but you know how hard it's actually been? They've been really like, Chase, you are not allowed to go pull a trailer until we have that data. 
Yeah. You know, like I'm like I just want, I want to so bad. It's there. <laughs> it's full pull, and I'm not allowed to because we have to be the responsible adults and get the information we need out of the proof of concept just in case anything happens while I'm pulling the trailer or something like that. You know, I, now I think it all makes sense where that that tinge of like engineering animosity at the beginning of this conversation uh, came from. It's, oh, it's yeah. at that yeah, stage yeah, yeah, yeah. that that the trucks add to move on next. Although I did see this video where you ram something. Show this right here. What are we looking at? What are you smashing into? We take a, a dead truck, smash it a, a few. It was a big crowd. That. Yeah, we ended up raising about three thousand dollars for the BC Children's Hospital with our that event. Oh, sweet! That is very, very Anytime cool. I can slam a truck into something and also make some money for some kids is, a, is definitely a good day and a big win. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because also one of the topics that we had that we talked with you about like six months ago was the sort of supply chain issues of waiting for some of the parts to build out these prototypes. <laughs> and you did something cool in the meantime. And I want to know if this was like, if we're taking the piss here or if this is real, did you really make all these go-karts? Show this this video. <laughs> big push going on by governments right now to move everybody into electric cars. The problem with that is number one, electric cars still have batteries that have a large environmental impact. Number two, most people can't afford sixty dollars to $100,000 to go out and buy a brand new electric car. Number three, cars still take up the same amount of space on the road, whether they're electric or gas. That's why Edison Motors right now is really pleased to unveil a product that's going to solve a lot of these issues. For I give you the Edison Motors Mobility Scooter. We're calling it the Not-A-Go-Kart. With the Edison Motors Not-A-Go-Kart, it solves many of these problems. Smaller battery means less environmental footprint. It takes up less space. And you can charge these off one solar panel in three hours and get two, three hours of drive time out of it. It's speed restricted to under 30 kilometers an hour. It's electric and it's light and single seater, which means it's street legal in BC as a mobility scooter. And we're not doing pre-orders. <laughs> we already built 30 of them while we were waiting for truck parts to arrive. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you I didn't just it. build one and you were like, kidding. You're like, we built a, we built a crap load of these things. Tell us about that. We, yeah, well, we were waiting on truck parts, and we're like, well, let's do a little bit of manufacturing here. And, well, we had the idea of, man, a mobility scooter would be kind of funny. Like, instead of the Tesla did the quad, we'll do go-karts. And then we're looking into it, and we're like, wait a second. What's the difference between a go-kart and a mobility scooter? Mobility scooters are street legal. Go-karts aren't. How do we walk that fine line? So we push the limit to the exact maximum that a mobility scooter is allowed to be. We got them classified as mobility scooters, and we basically sold out all, all of them already. But uh, we'll, we'll get in some more because they're incredibly popular. They're handy. You want to run to the store? You just hop the Edison Motors, not a go-kart, and uh, head out to the store, go on your beer run. Like, they're so much fun. And they are technically mobility scooters. Well, you know, Chase, around my neighborhood in Chattanooga, it's really, really hilly. And a lot of people here, they just, like, ride golf carts around. It's not like a golf community or anything. They just ride golf carts around to get to, like, CVS. Yeah. And so I bet they love some of these go-karts. How fast can a mobility scooter go? Like, what is the upper tier limit before they're like, no, that's, that's like drag racing? 30 kilometers an hour. So we Ooh. have a speed limiter that uh, sets it to 30, and then it hits out. So that's like 16 miles an hour or something like that. 
Yeah, it's something like 16, 20 mile an hour. I think it's 20 mile an hour or something, if I'm not mistaken, but. Interesting. So yeah. you just went through this last round of crowdfunding. It just closed. You completed the round, as we said. What's the next step here? Like, what what are the key things that you learned from that prototype that will be in the next iteration of Carl? The, one of the key things is, like, we learned that cooling issue. We need a little bit more cooling. Um, some of the driver controls, we want to make them a little bit more intuitive. I didn't like how a few things once we got in there. The regen or braking needs a hard switch instead of the touchscreen switch. Um, some of the other big ones were the e-axles. It needs a little bit more. Well, it needs the e-axles. It that the single motor on a drive line is just kind of frustrating. Um, some of the other things are where we're gonna put things. This is just one of those things we found out as we were putting things in the truck. I'm like, this is in an inconvenient spot to work on now, and now this is a spots kind of in the way and but we were installing parts as we got them so we kind of took all those parts that engineering and put them into a better system and we had we, luckily the difference between this truck and the prototype or the production truck is we had a couple of companies that are this is what they do is they build electric equipment more so like dozers or haul trucks or things like that they partnered up with us and they helped us out with a lot of the high voltage system. So that's really been improved. And that was the one area we were getting the high voltage to communicate with it was a little bit hillbilly. So they have pre-built wiring harnesses they use for high voltage equipment, like, you know, rock crushers in a quarry, vac trucks, and they help us get up to that industry standard. So that was some of the big improvements is that, instead of having some parts that are sourced from electric cars, which we originally did, there are a lot more school parts that have been sourced from he electric heavy equipment. So that's been one of the biggest differences is just moving up to those bigger components. What does production look like? How many do you, do you have planned to build? Uh, well, we're going to build this one first, build the one, test it, run it, make sure it's all good. And then we'll enter production and, It'll be built like a C500. A lot of people don't know that, but the Kenworth C500, the Western Star 6900X or whatever, they're all still built by hand by a team of mechanics. Once you get into the heavy vocational market, the trucks are so custom and so unique spec that each one is built by hand. And I mean, that's pretty well the way you have to do it. I mean, Freightliner Cascadias, they know a mega carrier is going to be ordering 20,000 trucks. Mm, they're all yeah. going to have the exact and put them on a production line. But if you're building off-highway logging trucks, bed trucks, service rigs for the oil patch, you know, where you're getting into tritum steer, tandem steer, tri-drive setups, they're still built by hand. So that's our benefit right there is that it's incredibly easy to compete in that market where trucks are built by hand because we're building by hand. We don't have to set up an assembly line. A lot of people were questioning us and were like, it cost millions, if not billions of dollars to set up a production assembly line. And it's, well, we don't have to do that because our competitors don't do that. Mm. So Chase, you know, every time we talk to you, uh, it's been a couple of times, but every time I see your TikTok videos and all that kind of stuff, you're always standing out there in the woods in, in Canada and it's beautiful, but it, it gives me the impression that you guys are just like sitting around a campfire and maybe a couple pole barns and, and throwing some stuff together with a couple of wrenches. What's your, what's your facilities look like there and what's the capacity? Um, no, that's accurate. That, 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 that's accurate. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> 
this this is this is where we built Carl on uh, on a on a dirt lot here. There's literally logs that we're cutting up for the wood stove back. So we're, I'm excited to announce that we used some of that million and a half to build a new shop, and we're laying the foundation here next week. So we are getting into a shop, but we we built this around a campfire. So we, yeah, literally, there's wood from the logs there because of we're in a camp. Yeah, we need a campfire to stay warm in the winter. No, and, and Chase, I guess, <laughs> I lastly, for those who aren't familiar and didn't catch our previous conversations, why are you building this? Because I know we've we've thrown some shade at Tesla and some shade at Nikola, but you're actually kind of going in a different category, right? You're going for the heavy haul logger. So what does this enhance for that particular like industry? What kind of benefits am I going to see when this production truck is done? Well, that's the industry that makes the most sense to go electric. Yeah. The, where... Electric makes the most sense because of the high torque of the motors, the stopping, the starting, the regenerative braking to recharge the battery. That's where you want that high electric horsepower. Everybody else seems to focus on the dry van because that's the most number of trucks that are on the road or dry van pulling. Mm -hmm. But electric trucks are still a niche. They're not very common. They need charging infrastructure, especially if they're like full electric. Logging trucks return back to their same shop every night and you're going especially out on the pacific west coast tons of mountains you're going up the mountain empty and you're coming down loaded which means you don't need a lot of power to go up when you're empty and you can use the regenerative braking to recharge the batteries going down same as city driving your stop and go traffic like say a gravel truck or a garbage truck you're moving forward back slowing down that's the one that makes the most sense. I don't know why everyone's focused on these drive van trucks. Yeah, wow. no, we, we hear you. It all makes sense. So Super people who want to follow the, the journey and, and keep in touch with you and see what's next with the truck, where do we send them to? Uh, we're on TikTok for Edison Motors. <laughs> or there's also a TikTok for my name, Chase Barber. That was my personal one that was even before we started Edison Motors. But if you're interested in truck-specific stuff, go check out Edison Motors. Anything other, by, by the way, because we saw the not go-karts and we saw Carl. Is there anything else in that lab you're working on that uh, we may have to look forward to? Well, we build our light towers, but that's uh, that's the product we had before. Uh, you can see the light tower back there kind of behind me. Um, we're contractors, suppliers for Finning Caterpillar. We do all their hybrid, uh, like their solar systems. So we do solar systems and build those solar light towers for cat. But that was a product that existed well before Edison Motors. Oh, well, really cool. Hey, have a Very great cool. weekend. Thanks again for telling us what's going on. And uh, you know, congratulations to you, your team, and your backers for that successful funding round. Oh, thanks. And thanks for having me on. I, uh, it's always a good time coming on here. Take care, dude. Right on. Bye. Good stuff. I absolutely love it. I, I love him every time. And I like that he isn't, like, when sometimes when people don't, the question's phrased in a way and they don't want to answer it. They'll be like, blah, 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 stuck here. And he's like, no, that's pretty much accurate. Yeah, we're yeah, just building, exactly. we're building a truck in a dirt field. And yeah, we did. I think that's what helps get him back, too. He's very honest about what's going on, what they're trying to do there, and what they're trying to build and the scale of it and what it's specifically for. But, I mean, this guy is, Chase is, is not going to bullshit you. Yeah, <laughs> right? he's not. And, and he's certainly going to be a good steward of your money. He's some of those That's golf what I'm getting right. I mean, well, anyways, wow. oh, we got to get to this one. Do you remember what Vaughn Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? 
Oh, yeah, I did. He said uh, better is not better. Bigger is better. Bigger isn't better. Better is better. That's Whether right. it's new offices in India, expanding life sciences across Europe, uh, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customers' needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets. I tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. All right, it's Friday. Good news, bad news before right we send on. you home. All right, this first one is a doozy, too. All right, good news. The load you double brokered has finally arrived at this shipper, right? Oh, Great, I double brokered that thing. It's finally on him. Dang. In the clear onto the next double Don't brokering scam. Don't have to worry scam. about it now, right? Bad news, bad news. Look at what this did. He blew up your spot. Just look at this email. What? The other broker sent the POD to the shipper, and now you're caught red-handed. If you're Kenwood Logistics, what do you do when you're caught red-handed? You send this Email. I'm only going to do some light censorship here. So guard your children's ears, people. This comes from Christian Quarto. He says, I have just spoken with the customer. He told me you sent the POD directly to him. As I told you before, you're a piece of shit and your mother is a donkey. I'm totally sure that I'm right, too. The thing is that I'm going to F you and your company up with all the available methods that I have. Firstly, you'll be in DNU at more than 300 companies. Second, I will try to find the donkey bee that was speaking with me yesterday. Third, you will get FG reports during the month. Congratulations. From now on, you are my number one enemy in the world. One million times. F your families. Have an unsafe day. That's the manager wow. over at this uh, double brokerage firm. Wow. Is that a form letter? That is it's like <laughs> copy pasta now. I mean, <laughs> he's... Uh, he, so he's not happy here because what happened is someone bought a load, a shipper bought a load, yep. and that load didn't move from who they got the load from. It moved from someone else, and then they found out about it, and this guy is upset, and he's lashing out like a lot of people do when they're wrong. And now he's threatening to ruin this person's business by having them sent to Freight Guard, which is a you know carrier for one of Freight Guards and DNUs to 300 companies. says this guy's not going to be pulling any freight when things are going down. Well, that's wrong. Yeah, that's it's wrong. We're calling wrong. him out. That guy didn't do it. This this other guy did, and it's unbelievable that the system allows that to do that. It is, and you know what? And here's the thing too. This this person probably maybe a fake name, allegedly a fake name. Probably have another MC, another oh, number that they're yeah, operating on. Probably imagine. they already do. They probably have like thirty of them. Here's what some former employees say though. They put whoever started this company double brokers. They actually accept loads from a carrier that double brokers the load. Regardless, this is a common problem. But when asked if they have the load, they know nothing about it. Shady people just like the carrier they got the load from. If you don't know the laws regarding double brokering, find another line of business. Wow. Uh, another former employee says, watch out for this company. They're double brokering and doing dirty business. Don't drive for them unless you don't want to get paid for your work. They're illegally handing other people's loads, and um, they say that they're probably based overseas, too, even though their, Arizona's in, uh, uh, their address is in Arizona. Wow. That is unbelievable. Hey, what I got would you— if, you, if one of your drivers got an email yeah. like that from somebody, cut them out? If cut out who? My, yes. That, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to cut them off. You got to, that person should not be doing business. That was a pretty aggressive email. For, yeah, uh, a, a, absolutely. <laughs> and threatening to ruin their livelihood because you're a criminal yeah, is, like, I mean, just, I get it. I understand what they're doing, but I mean, it, no. Move no. on to the next mark like a normal double broker. Yeah, move on, count your losses, and uh, lick your wounds and, and move on. I've got some bad news, Dooner. You finally sold that motor you've had up on eBay, but you have no way to ship it safely. But yeah, here's some good news, brother. 
Check out this product right here, man. Just throw some of this plastic in here. Look at this. What's that? Boom. What is that liquid? I, that is a foam, expanding foam from liquid right there. It looks like stuff. I don't know if people have used stuff, but it's a it's a liquid that you spray in for uh, insulation and filling gaps in walls, and it just kind of explodes oh, up into a hard foam. Okay, so the gray um, stuff is just most like the the, the sheet is just yeah, the, there the to the contain the foam. The gray thing is just protecting everything else from that liquid foam, from those chemicals from doing this stuff right here, right? But then it starts to move up, and before it hardens, place your stuff inside there. And voila. That's pretty neat. It gets pretty thick, too. That box looked like uh, it was a little little bursting at the seams by the time it was done. I think you need some uh, talent to, to be able to just eyeball how much you need because you could get in trouble fast, yeah. it looks like. Right yeah. There. Well, hey, there's a lot of people still recovering from Hurricane Ian over oh, in Florida. There was some real bad devastation over from that. Take a look at some of this damage up close. I mean, some of these things. Take a look at some of this damage up close. Some there of these, Some of these here. I mean, social media has so changed, like, war and disaster in these things because like being in someone's house you can empathize with that you can see oh wow that that's that's east coast florida this is like someone's hotel room here the bottom floor is completely flooded you see that house though did you see the water just surging there like breaking through the drywall oh my gosh it's absolutely yeah they're projecting no wonder it's like 30 billion dollars worth of damage look at this What are they? What are they going to do with all these cars? Flood cars? They dry out. They dry out a little easier in the houses, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I remember after Katrina, there was a big thing, you know, watching out and being able to, you know, identify those cars being resold, right? Because it's uh, after those flood damages and stuff like. That. I saw reports today. You know, they're flying helicopters out to Sanibel Island to to help people. They got stranded out there on Sanibel Island. That causeway's gone. There's no yeah. way to get out there anymore. Well, in bad situations, you got to find the helpers too. Check out what happened here with these uh, flamingos. They got a little protection over when they were evacuated to the bathroom at the sunken gardens in St. Pete. Hanging out there, got a big bowl of water and everything. And check out this group over here saving this doggy. It's okay, buddy. We're gonna get you. Wait till we hit the bushes and then swing us around. Hey, buddy. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna grab this dog. Where? Where are you? It's out there getting it done, man. Out there getting it done, man. Doing do what works you need work. to do. Saw All the right, guy walking down with his dog on his shoulders. See that guy walking through the waters with it on his shoulders. The guy saving cat. Uh, yeah, I mean, what wow. happens soon? A lot of these storms, the, the animals get scared and they flee, and people have to evacuate, and they, they can't get to their pet in time. So it's it's awesome, and it's, it's heartwarming to see people. Uh, yeah, it is. It really is to see them doing this stuff. Um, All right, you want to talk about some bad news up in yeah. uh, Hudson, Cleveland, Ohio? Sure. So 19 news reports, first responders from around the Hudson area, which is Cleveland. Let's see this right here. Check that out. That is 50,000 pounds of potatoes on fire Ooh. inside that thing. Roasted potatoes, anybody? On the Ooh. side of the road right there. Our potato salad Unbelievably, man. I mean, it probably smelled good for a little bit, but diesel, I don't know if you roast potatoes over diesel. That's, that's very good. But here's some good news, brother. Yeah. We're going to go to Cleveland. We are. We're going to go to Cleveland next June 20th and 21st. Because the future supply chain is going to be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, my friend. Cleveland, Ohio. In Cleveland Freight. Rocks. Cleveland Rocks. Freight Conference in Cleveland, Ohio. But before we even get to there, there is 31 days, Michael Vincent. There is 31 days is until it? F3. Oh. Festival of Freight. Got a bunch of different artists playing over there. 
Think there'll be some pickleball? Think there'll be some axe throwing? There'll be axe throwing at the pickleball. If you spend an extra $15 on your ticket, you get an axe to throw at the pickleball games. Wow. You don't want to spend an extra $15 on your ticket. You want to save half off your ticket. $14.95. Use promo code WTT. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Get that ticket. Put in that code. Save yourself half as much money. Then when you come out here, you can, uh, you know, take me out for a smoothie or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, save yeah. the money. Take him out for a smoothie. Take him out for a smoothie. How about that? Perfect. All right, find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Find the show wherever you get podcasts. Download the Freightways TF to watch our ugly, stinking mugs in uh, HD. Maybe one of these days will be 4K. Don't be a stranger and tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love, everybody. Spread it everywhere.